Frank, have you ever heard the term hip-hop doo-wop? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I have. It's uh, kind of a 90s, more of a 90s term, uh, early 90s, late 80s, in the vein of the New Jack Swing R&B light is what I would call it. Uh, that kind of a kind of a vibe, right? Yeah, you are a uh, musicologist of sorts, but we always knew that. Well, I do have a doctorate, but uh, it's in something completely different. Right, that's that is true. Um, Color me bad is the one who coined the term hip hop doo wop, and Mr. Sam Waters, one of the members of the band, said, "We don't try to make pop music. We don't try to make R and B music. The name Color Me Bad means that we ignore all boundaries." That's that's very woke of them, considering it was probably 1991 that uh, that this comment was uh, was coming out. But uh, no, that's 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 absolutely perfect. As as our listeners have probably guessed, we are going to be talking about "Color Me Bad" today, and the song we're going to be talking about, and probably the lesser known of the three big hits from their from their first album, even though it was a number one song, um, "All for Love." And this is uh, all for love with the number four in it, so which gave it that sort of '90s feel in, in terms of uh, uh, visually looking at that song title or something like a Prince song. Yeah, exactly. That's right. The Prince always did that with the U's and the the numbers. Yeah. All you know, it, a year later, "All for Love" comes out by Sting, Rod Stewart, and Brian Adams within the year. That was, uh, I was going to reference that too, that uh, uh, I, I think the Color Me Bad uh, song is, is better than the, uh, than the super group song there. For sure. I agree wholeheartedly. Before we get in, I, I want to apologize for something that happened uh, during the Boys to Men episode. And uh, now that I'm saying this, I'm thinking maybe I should just cut it out and then no one will know that I said this, but I will admit it that I had referred to Color Me Bad as just a boy band that was created by like some sort of studio or producer. And I was totally wrong. They they were been together since 1985 and they met in high school. So they actually have a parallel life to boys to men. So they actually weren't at all um, what I accuse them of being. So I just want to put that out there. I'm sorry, Color Me Bad. And I'm I'm sure Color Me Bad is is listening, and they accept your apology, Bill. I think that's a you're 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 a big big man here. Thank you. I feel like a, a big weight has been lifted off my shoulders. So we talked about this being the third single off of the Color Me Bad's debut album CMB, which had two number one songs and three very big hits. And this was one of their number one songs. There there was a this song and I adore Mia more were the two number one singles from this album. The other song, uh, I Want to Sex You Up, which most people would probably remember and have that sort of nostalgic feel about it as being their big hit, uh, actually wasn't a number one hit at all. It was a, it made it to number two, but not quite number one. But uh, this song is very, doesn't really feel like it fits the mold for CMB, but uh, it did very, very well for itself, uh, reaching number one. I imagine I Want to Sex You Up when it came out could have been up against some pretty big songs that kept it from reaching a number one. So I'm just looking up at, at the, I know this, we're not talking about that song, but 
Mm-hmm. It was behind More Than Words and Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. So they, they had some stiff competition. And it was their first big single. Now, this one is the one that beats out, well, if this took Michael Jackson's Black or White off black or white had been number one for like seven weeks and then this was the one that toppled it yeah and this was uh the winner the the king of the mountain here when you take michael jackson off of his perch which i think socially he's been taken off of his perch for a number of years now but uh musically in the in the early early 90s to take uh the number one away from michael jackson that's uh that's a really really big feat Uh, and considering again we said i don't even think this is the strongest single from that album yeah I agree wholeheartedly. But th- this is the single that's the most doo-wop of the Color Me Bad tunes that, that made it onto the charts. In terms of the term hip-hop doo-wop, this is the one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would I would agree with you. The uh, I Adore Me More was more of a uh, Spanish-Latin vibe to it. And uh, I Want to Sex You Up would probably be on par with Belle Biv DeVoe's uh, Do Me Baby, I would think, if <laughs> if our listeners remember those songs. Yeah, I'm sure similar thematic content from the sounds of it, too. Yeah, R&B in the early 90s really had no time for subtlety or or, um, or metaphor, I don't think. It was, uh, it was, it was straight to the point. And this one, I guess, is a surprise because it's such a um, poppy love song. In the same way when Madonna's Cherish came out, it was like, what? what is this? This sounds like this is a really nice song, but it's got like 1950s sentiments to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's why this is probably this is my favorite of the Color Me Bad songs. I know you liked it a lot because you posted it on Facebook. One of your only posts that I've ever seen you put up there was this song is great. Well, yeah, if if, if I'm gonna post something on social media, it's uh it, it's got to be worth it. Actually, the the story behind this was I was at the gym doing a doing a, a workout on on the treadmill, and I was just having none of it. I just I was tired and lethargic and just I was about to quit on my workout but then the video for the song and the and the song came pumping over the uh the speakers in the gym and you really wouldn't put this in your like pump up music or pump up workout songs but it just hit me with this giant wave of nostalgia and uh I I think it had been like oh probably like 15 20 years since I had heard the song and then I just got this huge burst of energy and uh, was able to to finish through that song and then finish my finish my workout. I think I had the biggest smile on my face. I think uh, everyone at the gym thought I was uh, uh, a little bit creepy. Well, creepier than usual. But uh, um, no, it was it was just I had this like I said the, the wave of nostalgia washed over me and and I was I was transformed back to uh, 1991. It was just fantastic. The lyrics to this song, and I love this song, but I'm not yeah. sure they really stand up without the without that music. No, no. If I, I was reading the lyrics as well, and uh, they come off as being a little bit desperate, a little almost stalkery, which which kind of matches the other two songs. Yeah, I don't like to talk smack about the songs that we're uh, that we're talking about, but uh, lyrically, it's not not terribly strong. Yeah, uh, and. I, I'm not a lyricist, but if I no. were, I mm-hmm. think I'd probably, uh, when I'd write lyrics, the words would have a bit more power. Like, you, you know, something's up in a poem when they're so desperate to get a word that will rhyme with another word. So here's here's a, a phrase here, a line or whatever. I sing this lullaby because, girl, you fill me full. I look into your eyes. You're so beautiful. I 
Okay. Filmy foe is is not a term anyone would ever use. That was only there so you could say beautiful. Like you couldn't yeah. even come up with something that worked. Yeah, it was it was they they wanted to work beautiful in and uh and it's like, well this is this is how it has to happen. Let's, you know, make up make up a saying. Let's make this as contrived as possible. Here's another one. I'll be your fairy tale. I wanna take care of you, girl, I'll serve you well. Yeah, that's it's a bit of a stretch. I think the um sort of desperation of the lyrics and the kind of stalkerishness, if you will. And, and and I hesitate to say this, but maybe that's why a uh 13, 14 year old Frank would have liked this song because I probably thought that was the way that you get girls is like just through persistence and waiting and looking and staring and not doing like just just being like generally creepy like these lyrics uh, are, are saying it i think that's i think that's how i thought you got girls i think that's a pretty astute observation i think the songs that we grew up on that and the movies was about if you desired somebody you could make them love you now of course bonnie Raitt uh let us know that wasn't true at all but at that moment, if you like somebody, you just figured, okay, I just need to be around the person. I just need to say this, this, and it will work. I just need to find the magic formula. And these songs didn't help uh, break us out of a pretty bad and unhealthy worldview. Yeah, like, you know, call you every night and give you flowers, too. when you read the lyrics like the guy doesn't even have the girl in this song he's he's trying to get the girl in this song and this is a maybe maybe some some girls like that much attention but i think at a certain point it just gets uh gets a little odd gets a little weird you you know this has me thinking that these songs bring back waves of nostalgia but you just (laughs) bringing this up brings me back to all this sort of regret and awkward moments of trying to date (laughs) And so I wonder how much of like guilt-free pleasures is trying to scrub away all of these stuff that we're trying to ignore about our past. Well, unfortunately, with the waves of nostalgia comes the riptide of regret. So uh, that's uh, something that you you, you can't have a rainbow without the rain bill. There you go. Well, that's not a uh, tagline for our show. I don't know what is. That's not going (laughs) to try to remember that. What would we call this part of the song? The, The break of the song? Where Brian Abrams, see Frank, I know the names of all these guys. I, I actually I should take you through these guys, but the Brian Abrams, who's kind of the de facto lead singer in some ways, yep, does his spoken word thing. Yo, come here, sweetheart. I want you to know something. All right, see everything in my life without you would be like a hundred years. The distance between us. Ready for this one, Frank? An ocean of tears. <laughs> See, all the things I do for you are for love. Dig it. Dig it. Well, it's the dig it at the end that really drives it home, I think, right? Yo, come here, sweetheart. I want you to know something, all right? See, every day in my life without you will be like a hundred years. The distance between us, the ocean of tears. See, all the things I do for you are for love. Dig it. 
And so I was thinking about this versus other um, spoken word sections of songs. And so of this same year, you mm-hmm. would have, at least it comes out about seven months later, but end of the road where Michael McCary does his bass spoken word thing. And I think yeah. that one is like the ultimate spoken word thing. And so this kind of makes this song pale in comparison, even though I love mm-hmm. this song. But it, the tough part for them is you got boys to men doing the same thing and just like really killing it. Yeah, and they're they're just they're throwing down and just have hit after hit after hit. For a while, boys to men seemed like they could do no wrong, and uh, these guys kind of feel like the you know the younger brother tagging along, just hey guys, look at us, we're here too, and uh, which uh, un- was unfortunate for Color Me Bad. I agree. So you have them getting together in 1985 in high school, same way the boys mm-hmm. to men did. So they're made up of like so. Here's our our people here. You got Brian Abrams, who is the sort of de facto lead singer, like I said. And then you got Mark Calderon, mm-hmm. who is, uh, who's h- half Mexican in, in his heritage. And so that's where you get some of the Spanish stuff and I adore okay, yeah. Mia Moore. You have Sam Waters as well, who's a Kenny G-esque. Kenny G. Yeah, the guy, the guy that looks like Kenny G's younger brother. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then, the, so they're both second tenors. I don't know what Brian mm-hmm. at Abrams what he does i i guess he would be first tenor and then you have kevin thornton who's the baritone <laughs> and he's he's the guy who's more likely to have a shirt off in the videos he's oh, okay cut. so um these so but two of them so you have sam waters and kevin thornton they meet in grade three and mark calderon and brian abrams they meet in junior high and so they're already buddies and so they they become a, a singing group in high school talent shows, and then they start going around trying to uh, do the same thing. It's the same story as Boys to Men. They would okay. go whenever they saw a band, they would go try out for them. And okay. so, a little bit of trivia for you here. You're not going to get it, so I don't know why I'm setting this up, but let's <laughs> see. Uh, I'll set up an unlikely champion for them. Okay, so this this they tried out for this guy who they saw Kevin Thornton saw at a movie theater, calls his buddies mm-hmm. and they wait for him to come out of the theater to do a song for him. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he says to them, Okay, why don't you open up for my band that night or the next night in front of fifteen thousand people? Oh wow. And they didn't go down in a blaze of glory, Frank. When they did it, they really pulled it off. Name that singer. I think he I think he tipped your hand to me when uh with Blaze of Glory. Was it uh it was Bon Jovi. That's right. So John Bon Jovi. That's that's crazy. And I guess they also tried out for the um, guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire. One of the guys from Earth, okay. Wind, and Fire, who who ended up really being the one to set them up. I really should have his name in front of me, but I don't. I, I find it like it's crazy that they would have opened for Bon Jovi in the mid to late eighties. I'm guessing. Yes. So we're talking like Bad Medicine. Yeah. 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 I mean, he had a couple of ballads at that point too, so maybe there was a little bit of crossover there. But uh, yeah, that uh, that's impressive. That's impressive that they got John Bon Jovi to uh, 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 take them on as 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 an opener. That's crazy. And they don't have any of those songs yet, right? They don't have "I, I Want to Sex You Up" or "All for Love" or "I Adore." They haven't even written them. So th- these yeah, guys are yeah. young, and so they're they're hungry and they're they're doing it. So their story is actually way more um, interesting than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I mean, from from there on in, they released their album same year that Cooley High Harmony" comes out, and so you yeah. got like two powerhouses. And for a moment there, 
they had more number ones. By the time this hits number one, they have more number ones than Boys to Men. They have two number ones, and Boys to Men yeah. has yet to get a number one. Yeah. And then yeah. End of the Road get, becomes number one for 14 weeks, and the rest is history. But at this moment, when this song hits number one, they are the they are the hip hop doo wop R and B light. You know, they're the thing, and this is their last big hit. This is their last hit altogether mm-hmm. after this that's yeah. the end yeah but in this moment they are the the big deal yeah yeah they're the straw that stirs the drink <laughs> i don't even know what that means but i like i like what i'm hearing <laughs> <laughs> uh okay let's see what uh are we still talking about the song or now i'm just hitting you with as much trivia as i've done <laughs> that i've learned today <laughs> this morning well let's let, let, let's do a little more trivia let's uh the the little known facts of uh cmb here CMB, yeah. They were on probably one of the biggest shows of that era as well. They were they were uh, on a Beverly Hills 90210, wasn't it? That's they on right. That? And that's when uh, David Silver went no no, it was a baby face that David Silver was uh was uh playing with later on in the show. Oh really? Okay. I didn't I just watched some clips of it because they sing to they, they serenade the whole group of them at the peach pit mm-hmm. at the end. But Kelly interviews them in their hotel room and talks about groupies, which is really weird and awkward because she's in there with them and they're talking about groupies and giving advice. Yeah. They actually, not bad acting for people who don't act. So, um, yeah, uh, I give them some credit there. And also, uh, Frank, here's my last bit of trivia. Can you guess what is playing in the background? Who, what singer is playing in the background while Kelly is interviewing color me bad oh i'm not gonna get this i i, I know i'm never gonna get this uh i'll i'll, I'll take now just hail mary uh, I, i'm gonna say michael bolton but that that that's always my my go-to is michael bolton <laughs> frank pearson you are correct whoa come on seriously yeah, it was michael bolton oh my which yeah. song was it do you remember uh i don't know but I'm going to try to figure out how to uh, upload it, and I'm going to play it right now. Okay, fantastic. You know, seeing you here reminds me of the time we met Bon Jovi. Yeah, we know what it's like to be fans. Oh, I'm not really that big of a fan. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think you guys are great. Really. Yeah. I mean it. I'm not some, like, totally weird groupie fan, you know? The kind of, I don't know. The kind who sneaks into hotels, maybe? Exactly. So, what's it like to have fans? Honestly? I love it, personally, but um, I don't know what you think. It's amazing. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me wrong, because, you know, we definitely love meeting our fans. It's just when a large crowd of people come at you at one time, you know, it can get kind of confusing. But we're not complaining or anything. I mean, that's what we've always wanted, so... Sometimes it's just easier to stay up here, you know. Yeah, yeah, what he said. <laughs> so is it true what they said? You guys can't even go to a mall anymore without getting mobbed? Sad, but true. Well, don't worry. I'm personally sick of mobs. Really? <laughs> I kind of miss it. So there you go. That's my. That's some interesting things about coloring bad that I did not know. Yeah, that's uh, that's some crazy stuff. Holy cow. I'm still floored about the the Bon Jovi thing. Like that's really blowing my mind at the moment. They, they actually like so. It's interesting to see how things have turned out. If you were to predict of those four, um, who would be the most successful? I think most people would guess Brian Abrams would have been the successful one. Yeah, 
But yeah. of course, we know he ran into his troubles with alcohol. And mm-hmm. Mark Calderon and him were performing together, still as Color Me Bad in 2018. And he pushed him on stage. And there was this whole thing on TMZ. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I remember seeing that, like, oh, that's bad. But it turns out he was on Dr. Phil last year about getting mm-hmm. sober. And they had this. It's always awkward on these TV shows where they have the people come in and then it, it's sort of like an intervention, but it's an intervention in yeah. front of a couple million people, which to me seems <laughs> yeah. totally inappropriate. But he's been sober. He's been sober now for two years. And here's something he said on the show. He said when he was in high school, so when they were together working on things like, mm-hmm. in, I don't know, grade 11, 10, 11, he weighed 400 mm-hmm. pounds. Come on. Yeah. So, he said he lost all that weight. So, by the time you're watching Color Me Bad, this guy has lost, I don't know, 220 pounds or something by the time they're together. Wow. So, that that kind of gives you the sort of like a background for him. And these guys, like they seem so cool and they with it in all these videos, but they were in the choir. <laughs> you know, they, they're not like, oh, okay. they're, they're not the coolest people on the, in, in high school. They're not, they, they're just people who like to sing. And they were able to make it. So, the good news is Calderon, I was checking his Instagram. He's been sober for two years. He's in a positive place. Calderon or, or uh, uh, Abrams? I got that wrong. It was Abrams, right? Calderon is, I don't know if Calderon's a good place. He's still in Color Me Bad. He's not, I don't think he, he didn't sound too happy on Dr. Phil about, well, he got pushed on stage and they arrested oh, uh, yeah. Abrams and stuff. But Calderon's still the last remaining one man standing for Color Me Bad. So, they still tour and he okay. sings and does the thing. Uh, Kevin Thornton, he's uh, he ended up uh, converting or returning to Christianity in the late 90s and became like an evangelist in, uh, okay. in Oklahoma. So, he actually rejoined Color Me Bad for a while in 2012. There was the three of them, Abrams, Calderon, and Thornton together. But I think he's been mostly focused on, on ministry. And then finally, Sam Waters, our young Kenny Mm -hmm. G, younger brother Kenny G, he left uh, to become a producer and try his hand at recording. And he recorded and produced a bunch of like hits for people like Fantasia, uh, Jessica Simpson, like did really well. And he married one of the um, finalists or the top four from the first American Idol season he's super successful oh really oh wow good for him yeah so he's he's got a positive life going so these guys have done well life owes him for that haircut that he had back in 91 so that's uh like i'm i'm i'm, I'm sorry that i that i'm saying these things but yeah it's just it was not a good look well and, and this is where it's like he's coming out of where you know his own space but yet kenny g had that hair simply red had that hair i'm trying to think of that's who else. right yeah michael bolton could have had the hair if he hadn't lost so much on top uh, the song, I guess we should probably talk about the song. I love those horns and I love the, yeah. the, the underlying like sort of beat of it. I didn't realize it was a um, sample of a song from the 60s. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I should, I had it written down here somewhere. I have it here somewhere as well, sorry. Okay, let's find that. The Mad Lads. Yeah, uh, Patch My Heart from uh, from 1966, yeah. I had never heard it before, so I listened to that, and that was pretty good too. I was like, "Oh, there's the there's that, whatever that part of the song is, that drum fill beat, yeah. recurring sound." Well, I'm never gonna get the technical words down, Frank. No, no, no. We uh, I, I think we transcend technical musical technical terms. Yeah, 
when when we can make up how we feel that it sounds, I think that's more accurate than the actual technical uh, musical terms. We're going to have to compile that. One of the things I noticed about Color Me Bad is they don't have a fan club. Nowhere on the internet. No? Yeah, their Facebook really? page is kind of uh, limited. It goes to a website that doesn't exist anymore. Even their like main page doesn't like it's not even put together well. Like it's the brand is suffering. So I I came up with some names for a fan club if we wanted to start one. So uh, you tell me which one you think sounds the best. Color Me Baddies. I want to sex you uppers. That's a really bad one. Okay, next one. We adore CMB Amour. That's not bad. I think that would be a good uh, fan club name. Yeah, I think so. So I'm not really ready to start it because I only know those three songs. and I think I only really like the one. But it is guilty <laughs> pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, I, that's, that's part of... Uh, the whole guilt-free pleasure philosophy is you don't have to like every song from the artist. It's just the one that really speaks to you. It could be a, an artist that has a catalog of just terrible songs, but there's one that speaks to you and that's what makes it a guilt-free pleasure. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, so we know why this is a guilt-free pleasure, but now it's time to hear what Chris Newkirk thinks about this song. Any predictions, Frank? I think Chris will hate this song. No, I agree with you. I think uh, I think Chris will uh, hate this song, but uh, he might surprise us. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, that's that's the great thing about this podcast is surprises every day. That's right. Chris Newkirk, do you like All for Love? And Chris Newkirk, what do you think of All for Love? I kind of, I kind of like it. Yes, yes, Frank. In a weird, that's a weird way. It's a, it's not very good. I think we can all agree that it's not very good, but it is kind of likable in a weird way. And maybe for me, it's a nostalgic way. But I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it, and I've. I used to, I remember liking it, even though, you know, you I was sort of gothed out at the time it came out, <laughs> you know, and I walked around in an army trench coat and a Bauhaus t-shirt. I still would hear that song and I would let it play the whole way through. So... Yeah, I did not see that coming. Chris Chris kind of actually likes the song. Yes, he did for a moment. But I have a text here, Frank, from Chris that says, I'm calling an emergency squadcast session with you and Frank. And he said, I can't live with endorsing all for love. And then he writes in block capital letters, cannot live. It's horrible. So, we have to revisit this. So, here's our next Squadcast with Chris. 
I want to issue a heartfelt apology for corrupting your 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 point of view perhaps or or empowering you to to maintain that point of view if that is indeed the case and sort of just flippantly agree that all for love by color me bad is an okay song that's probably the worst song you guys have actually had <laughs> and on your on your on your podcast so far and i don't know what it was if i allowed a moment of youthful nostalgia of just like being transported to a time and place where that song was a moment of you know carefree frivolity maybe i was uh, sitting beside a, a, a young lady I, I maybe admired and I was maybe infected by the vibes of, of that moment. I don't know what it was, but for some reason I was transported back to the, this moment and thought, ha, what a great song. Um, what an okay song at least. And it's not. I, I listened to maybe half of it in the car before we talked and I'm like, yeah, I remember this. This was, this was fun times. Um, and then after the show, I listened to it again. And yeah. I was mortified that I had even enjoyed a moment of that. It's horrible. And I think even if you guys like it, I think you can look at the lyric sheet at least and go, These are the, this is the worst set of lyrics we've ever, ever entertained on this show. There's no getting around that. They feel like they're maybe written by a 12-year-old guy in, or 12-year-old boy in youth group. Night in Shining Armor, I will be your fairy tale. I will... I want to take care of you, girl. I'll serve you well. I mean, these are horrible, horrible. I mean, if I, if I, girl, I'll serve you well was maybe some sort of sexual double entendre. It'd be kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, all right. I'll give you that. Um, but no, it's not even that. It's just rhyming and going for the most lowest common denominator similes and metaphors you can, you can grab at. Not that they would know. The difference between a simile or metaphor. Um, so I just feel really bad that I, I would bring such a flippant take on a song that you guys are trying to do justice one way or another, even if erroneously. I'll find out when this airs. And I'm, I'm simply mortified that I gave this one a pass. So I just wanted to clear the air and apologize. I like though that we have something, um, recorded. With you saying that you like the song, <laughs> so now we can blackmail you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's my that's that's where I want to go next. <laughs> yeah, that's the threat. Hey, <laughs> what are your demands? Yeah, that's right, that's right. I will I will happily uh, do another Shanice episode and extol the virtues of kittens like crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it means you destroy my initial take on Color Me Bad. <laughs> Well, I I don't think Frank or I can apologize for for that brief moment where we were able to bring you into our zone, and you were like, "Yeah, that's all right." And then it was like you shook out of it, like like it was, "Whoa, no, 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 no!" What have they done to me? It was like we hypnotized you. It might be your Svengali like natures, indeed. Well, I'm glad I got to clear the air and clear my name. Perfect. Most importantly, well, um, <laughs> and you know. I couldn't clear your opinion, but that's no. okay. That's all right. I didn't expect to. Uh, it was more about me. 
Yeah, you, this is to save your face. You know, if this were a universally ingested thing, if people across the world in the millions were listening to this, and I don't doubt that someday that might be the case, uh, and they heard me, my name attached to this song. Your good name, sentence, that's right. And then they Googled the lyric sheet and listened to that intro. And they thought there was an endorsement from some guy named Chris Newkirk. I'd be mortified. And I, I don't know if I could live with myself. I would probably retire to some cave and live a hermetic lifestyle. And um, my kids would grow up scarred and in therapy. If, if, if you could live your life with no shame the way that we do in terms of our love of music, it's, uh, it's so freeing. You know, and I, here's the thing. You're, you're right. And I, I thought I was living a life of no shame. And this, this only sort of shines a light that shame is a necessary part of listening, the listening experience to me. Um, yeah, I need the guardrails. Frank, we haven't talked about the video. Do we want to say anything about that video? Did you watch the video? I haven't watched it in recent uh, months or, or, or days or years. I did watch the I did watch the clip of them performing on the Arsenio Hall show. That was pretty amazing. Uh, they had moves, man. They had moves. They did. And so in the video, they got moves too. And they have a dance move that I, if I, I mean, it's just you and I talking. So I don't want to embarrass myself. But it, uh, I will tell you, like, there's a move where they hold both their hands up. And then they yeah. do the spin around. Like, it's a spin. And I was like, oh, I would love to pull that off as a dance move in the 90s. I was like, that's the greatest move ever. Because I guess if you've got a big enough silk shirt and you have your hands up like that and spin around, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, but I think that's a throwback to uh, like a, a, a move by the Temptations back in the day. Yes, good call. And so they their live stuff was good. And so in the, in the Arsenio Hall, again, like a, a, the live, they were really good. I yeah, wasn't really yeah. impressed, and you could tell it, it, it was live. It wasn't uh, it wasn't lip sync. Yeah, especially because Sam Waters shows up with with like the the ear earbuds in. Like he took it super seriously, but uh, I guess that's why he became the producer. He did. He knew he wanted oh, yeah. to get the sound just right. And and with that Arsenio Hall uh, clip at the end of the song, like Sam Waters had so much energy and was so pumped and jazzed about it. Like I think he was just out there having fun. You could tell it. You could see it in his face. Are we going to give him MVP of Color Me Bad? I think so. I think he he uh, he gets the MVP. Like he's he wasn't the first overall draft pick, but uh, he was the one the probably the strongest member. I would say. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. Well, color me bad. Uh, my apologies for not realizing how how cool your journey was, and we wish you all well in your uh, in your continued uh, life in music and in general. And uh, yeah, your story is fantastic. So you can color me impressed. On that note, this has been guilt free pleasures. I'm Bill, and I'm Frank, and thanks for listening to us. Oh.